You are listening to a message from Southwood Presbyterian Church in Huntsville, Alabama. Our passion is to experience and express grace. Join us. We are uh, going to take a break this morning from our almost completed study of 1 Peter to talk about communion, the Lord's Supper, uh, the sacrament that we are about to celebrate together in just a few minutes. And one reason for that um, is that it is Memorial Day weekend. And, And what better time than to talk about the most important memorial in our lives, this supper. In fact, we're going to talk about how it is even more than merely a memorial. Secondly, we're talking about it this morning because I want to share with you some changes in our celebration of the Lord's Supper here at Southwood in the future. As our leaders have considered this over the past months, uh, even years, um, and I'm going to do that as we go this morning. But let's begin with God's Word by reading Luke's account of Jesus' institution of this meal for us. Uh, Jesus here in Luke 22 is nearing his death, right? He has gathered his disciples with him to celebrate the Passover feast in the upper room. They're going to remember the deliverance of God's people out of their bondage in Egypt, how God fulfilled his covenant promises to his beloved people through the blood of the lamb on the doorposts as they made unleavened bread to eat, as they left in a hurry. Except this time, Jesus wants to bring new, rich meaning into the old feast that they know so well. He's going to transform every future celebration. Listen to what he says to them. Luke 22 at verse 14. And when the hour came, Jesus reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this. In remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Father, as we give you thanks for this, your word, and this record of this special Last Supper. We pray that you would, by your Spirit, help our hearts. That as we come to your table, it would be more than a memorial for us. That you would minister your grace to us. That we would see our Savior clearly. That we would rejoice in his love. And that our lives would be transformed. We can't do that, but you can. And so we ask you to do that in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Have you forgotten this week that Jesus died for you because he loves you? My guess is if I, if I ran into you, say, at Target, and I came up behind you and said, hey, do you remember the name of the guy who died on the cross for you because he loves you so much? That most of you could have said, yes, it was Jesus. You did not forget, right? But let me ask you differently. Have you had any moment this week where you felt distant from God? Have you had any opportunities to share the the good news of forgiveness in Jesus that you've neglected? Have you made any decisions in this past week that were motivated primarily by self-interest and what you wanted? Now, Those are very different questions, aren't they? I bet almost every one of us can answer yes to at least one of those questions if we're being honest, because it is one thing to remember something passively, uh, intellectually, in your mind, the facts are there if you're asked. And it is quite another thing altogether to remember something actively, practically, in your life, the truth shapes what you do. And and this distinction about remembering is so important in our lives, in our relationships with God. This is, as we've said, a, a special weekend where we remember, don't we, particularly tomorrow on Memorial Day, those who have given their lives to protect us, to provide us with freedoms we enjoy in our country, to, to sacrifice their lives in place of ours. But let me ask you about that. Is the goal of Memorial Day to be able to answer questions about the U.S. military correctly on a history test that you might have sometime? Is that the point? You know, how many soldiers died in the Civil War? Name 30 soldiers from Huntsville that died in World War II. Which battle in history has had the most American casualties? To be able to answer those right on a test someday. Or is the goal of Memorial Day to to live in light of the sacrifice that those soldiers made? To, To actually feel something different, to feel deep gratitude for them. to to do something different, to commit yourself to enjoying and protecting the freedoms they fought for, to to speak differently, to honor with your words the soldiers and their families who paid such a high price. Which of those remembers them better? Let me ask you to think of the difference in remembering intellectually and remembering actively Just one more way. What does it mean for me to remember my wedding anniversary? 19 years coming up on July 3rd. See, I remember, it's in my notes. Um, Got it right. If when that day comes, July 3rd, in a little bit over a month, I am alone playing golf 
or hanging out with another woman. And Christy calls me and says, hey, sweetheart, do you remember what day our anniversary is? And I respond very quickly, yes, indeed I do, honey. It's July 3rd, that's today. Am I remembering our anniversary? Or does remembering our anniversary mean renewing that covenant commitment that I made 19 years ago before God and these witnesses to one particular woman? Doing something to honor her regardless of the specific day Uh, finding some way to celebrate and to demonstrate committed love to my wife. There's a big difference in those two, isn't there? If you don't think there's a big difference, you talk to me or my wife later. There's a big difference. That same difference is there in the Bible when God talks about remembering or forgetting. Derek mentioned some of this earlier, sometimes it can be merely recalling a fact to mind. But often, when we see in the Bible this idea of remembering, it is much more about having your entire life shaped by a reality. Having that so at the center of your heart, at the forefront of your mind, that it drives actions and words and attitudes Let me give you just a couple biblical examples. In the book of Judges, God's people keep cycling through seasons of worshiping him and then of chasing after other gods and idols of the nations around them. And it's described in chapter 8 of Judges as the people did not remember Yahweh their God. Did they forget his name? Unlikely. We're told the way they forgot Yahweh was they intentionally chose to make Baal their God. They listened to his prophets and followed his ways and forgot, did not remember Yahweh. Throughout the Bible, we're told of God remembering different people, Rachel, Abraham, Jacob, many others. Later in the book of Judges, it's Samson. Samson, if you don't remember him, is the guy with the really long hair and big muscles, right? Uh, Except his, his long hair gets cut off. Samson is well aware that God has not forgotten who he is. God has removed his strength from him. But Samson prays, oh Lord God, please remember me. And what does that look like? And strengthen me only this once. God remembers and acts for Samson. One last example, uh, Psalm 25. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. What's he saying? It's not a prayer for God to have memory loss, is it? See, we we need God to remember some things and, and not remember others at the same time. In this case, he's saying to relate to us according to one set of things, his 
mercy and his steadfast love. That's what we need. And not to relate to us according to another thing. What's that? Our sin. Certainly God hasn't intellectually forgotten either of them. But remembering means shaping one's actions around that reality. So why all this talk about remembering? Friends, when when Jesus sits and says, do this in remembrance of me, as my memorial, Jesus says, He's not merely afraid that his disciples will be forgetful and not realize that he died on a cross. Now, we we can be distracted and be very forgetful, so that possibility exists. But rather, Jesus is giving us a gift, an action, a meal to keep at the forefront of our minds and the center of our hearts in a way that shapes our lives. The reality that is most important in the entire universe, his love and sacrifice for us. When we gather at this table, I don't know how many of you can see what it says on the front. If you're not in the first couple of rows, and most of you aren't, there are great seats up here that you can't read. There's actually words written on the front of the table. It says, this do in remembrance of me. What is it exactly that we are to remember? What does Jesus tell us? He's very clear here when he sits with his disciples We're to remember his body given for us, verse 19. His blood of a a new covenant with us, that's verse 20. We remember Christ's death for us, God's promises of forgiveness of our sins. Perhaps as you come to the table, you even confess specific sins. It's deliverance from our bondage by the blood of the lamb, right? And as a result of that, relationship with God himself. That's the promise of the covenant that God makes with us. That all who are covered by the blood of Jesus, all who are trusting in his death for them, will live with God forever. Wow, what a, what a promise. What a thing to remember and, and rejoice in. Remembering is an action. We proclaim his death every time we do this. We don't just think about something. We we proclaim his death every time until he comes back. Even more than that, we remember as we share the meal together our union with Christ, that we are connected to him by faith. That we participate in his death and in his resurrection. We are united to him and therefore we are united with one another. No matter what our differences are, we remember that he brings us together. So we remember that amazing and gracious relationship he brought us into because he, verse 15, earnestly desired to eat this Passover meal with his disciples and he earnestly desires to share this fellowship meal with us. 
and we remember Christ's eternal life and therefore our eternal hope. Because if we died with him, we will also live with him. Twice here in the Last Supper, eternity comes up. Verse 16 and verse 18, Jesus says he won't eat this meal again until he's in God's kingdom at the fulfillment of this fellowship meal, this glorious marriage supper of the Lamb. We remember that's coming and all we need to know that that's a meal we will share one day. But you hadn't forgotten those things, right? Before you came in here this morning. If I'd asked any of you in the parking lot, you could have told me those things were true. So this table must be more than a mere memorial. It is a means of God's grace coming to help us to live shaped by those realities that are brought at this table to the front of our minds and the center of our hearts, right? That's what's supposed to happen for us. We're supposed to be engaged so deeply with our heads and with our hearts that this week our hands are different because of what happens here. I want you to think specifically and practically while I give us some ideas. What could that look like? How would your life be different if the, if the death of Jesus for our place because he loves us so much is the controlling factor of our lives this week? If that happens, we will be helped to trust him in our suffering and not to, to feel that we are alone because we're, we're so mindful of what he suffered for us. We'll be inspired to, to love one another sacrificially and tangibly because he first loved us. We'll be burdened to, to share hope with our neighbors because of our great gratitude for our, our living source of eternal hope that we, we just can't stop thinking about and we want to talk about it. We'll be strengthened to repent deeply and, 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 and quickly, both to God and to others, because the forgiveness and the, the freedom from our sin is, is so clear to us that, that it makes us eager to repent. If that becomes, if that's what you wake up thinking about, that that becomes the foremost thing in your mind, that's the thing that's controlling your heart, is how much Jesus loves you and what he's done for you, then you'll be motivated to to give of your time and resources generously because Jesus gave of his resources and riches so generously for us. We'll be comforted in our many sufferings as strangers in this world because we realize that, that there's a home that Jesus has for us where he set a table there and we'll feast with him and it's so much better than anything we could have here and there's great comfort in that. We'll be empowered to turn from the, the sin for which he hung on the cross because we see how much it cost our Savior. We'll be equipped to find our value in a new place because we look for it in our performance, don't we? And how well we do and in who thinks what of it. And we realize here that Jesus treasured us before we performed at all or did anything for him. If this is what is controlling your heart, You'll be encouraged this week to spend time with Jesus 
Because you'll be, you'll be overwhelmed by the lengths that he went to, to be in relationship with you. And, and so you'll be all the more eager to be with him. That's what Jesus wants for you. Those are the types of things and hopefully others that are coming to mind for you that are actually what he's calling you to when he tells you to take and eat and drink in remembrance of him. Now I'll be honest, I'm not gonna forget Jesus' name this week. But I need God's grace. I need his help remembering in those ways because that's not the way I wake up every morning. And so, we have the gift of the Lord's Supper. And so, we want to celebrate the Lord's Supper more often, okay? That is, the, that is the primary change I want to share with you this morning. We have decided to double the frequency of our celebrating the Lord's Supper in our services here at Southwood, more or less from monthly to every other week. You, stop clapping, stop, that, that's enough. Um, no, I, I say that sincerely, it ought to bring joy to our hearts, right? The heart behind this is that this is a good gift of God's grace to us. And we want to make sure that we are fed with it regularly because we need it. I need it. If it was merely an intellectual reminder, lest you forget, then, then once a year would be more than enough, right? Right? But since it is to be a life-shaping remembrance and other things, at least in my life, crowd in so much and so quickly distract my focus, our hearts and our lives need this more often. Right now, I know this because I've talked to some of you, we've realized all that it takes is getting scheduled on a couple of wrong Sundays to serve in the nursery and then a kid gets sick on another second Sunday, and maybe you have a, a work trip or a family vacation, and all of a sudden, without even trying real hard, you've gone six months without celebrating the Lord's Supper. We don't want that for any of you. God has promised to minister his grace to us here in a way that we can't get anywhere else. So let's engage wholeheartedly with, with joy and gratitude every opportunity that we have to do this together. I do also want you to know that we are continuing to evaluate the impact of this on our lives. We want your feedback uh, in this because we want all of our members engaged in, in regular, heartfelt, meaningful celebration of this special supper. We don't want it to be neglected or to become nonchalant and no big deal. But without a, a direct biblical command for exactly how often um, we may stay at this new frequency that we're trying now. We may go back to once a month and decide that was more helpful. We may increase to every week and decide that's what's best. Um, but before settling on that, we want to evaluate with you 
the impact that increasing the frequency of our celebration has on our hearts and on our lives. So in the weeks and months ahead, we'll need you to talk with us about how that's going for you. Does that make sense? One other change to tell you about today is connected to the elements that represent to us the body and blood of Jesus. And that is really important for our remembrance, right? They're gonna help us remember. Now, when Jesus himself instituted the supper, he did so with unleavened bread and wine. Our bread, while tasty, which I love, is actually unleavened, contrary to what many I talk to expect to hear. So there's no change there. We can enjoy our bread and delight in that. But we do now have gluten-free options as well. Um, at the center, you see the pedestal here, front and back. If you need that, just um, come over to those tables for the gluten-free bread. The same grape juice will also be served in these same cups that we have used for years. But we are, not today, but in the future, going to add wine in the same trays with purple cups that are clearly labeled to distinguish juice and wine, okay? So to be clear, no wine today, okay? Um, and I, I mean that um, that's important. We don't want anyone to, in this moment, be confused or struggling and in any way um, have a difficult time coming to the table and be surprised. We wanted you to have opportunity to ask questions, process concerns um, that you may have to um, shepherd your children um, in their preparation for how they um, should participate. Um, and so that's not today, but in the future, um, we in no way want any of you to feel bad about continuing um, to take grape juice. Some of your leaders will do the same thing. You are not missing out in any way on the full experience of the Lord's Supper. That is, that's not the point. And this is why we want the liquids clearly distinguished so that our young people, our brothers and sisters who struggle with alcohol abuse, and any others who prefer juice for any reason whatsoever, don't get confused or caught off guard, okay? That's, that's our heart in this. But besides wine being the practice of the church through history all the way back to Corinth, where those who drank too much at their church gathering are chastised by Paul for getting drunk, that's not okay. And all the way up to uh, the 1920s America and the Prohibition era, the church has celebrated um, with wine. In addition to that background, wine represents very well both the bitter and the sweet uh, aspects of our Savior's death on the cross. The, the bitter cup of God's wrath, right, that is poured out upon sin. And it's the same one that's the sweet cup of forgiveness that brings joy to our hearts as we celebrate that. This change in the elements, adding wine, um, like the change in frequency, is not motivated by a desire um, to placate personal taste. Um, 
in an effort to be cool. Um, I gave up on that a long time ago. Um, or to be relevant to our culture. That's not the, the motivation. Rather, we are seeking to be faithful to God's word while remaining considerate of all of our brothers and sisters and young people celebrating the supper together with us. So, having told you about those two basic changes, um, please come talk to me. Um, Today is great. There's no connect hour following the service. I'll be right down here. Um, Come talk today or figure out another time we can talk. Talk with any of our elders any of our women's advisory team members, if you have questions, we'd love to sit and process that more than what I'm able to say right now. We want to walk with you in this, and we want to hear your feedback today, if that's the best time for you, and in the future, if that would be more helpful. Before we come to the table together this morning, I want us to reflect on one more thing about remembering In the Bible, covenant signs as memorial markers are not just for God's people to shape their hearts and lives. The covenant signs are for God to remember too. Two-way remembrance. When you look at this table and you read this do in remembrance of me, that is, that is two-way remembrance. Let me explain it to you this way. Have you seen a rainbow recently and remembered God's promises to Noah and all of creation? Did you know when you remembered that, that God was remembering the very same thing as you? Look what he says about the rainbow in Genesis chapter 9. I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh on the earth. We're not talking, right, about the omniscient creator of the universe forgetting something intellectually and needing a reminder, right? That's not true. But God covenants with us to act on our behalf, and when he remembers, it means he acts in light of his promises for us. Hebrews 8 says, he remembers our sins no more, which doesn't mean he just, he just can't recall who lied yesterday. That's not what it means. No, it means he is merciful toward our iniquities, right? He knows them, but he relates to us, like we read in Psalm 25, not on the basis of our sins, but on the basis of his mercy, Luke 1.54 says one of, the, one of the greatest times he did this was when he sent Jesus. When God sends Jesus, it is an act of remembrance of his mercy, helping his people. See, when God remembers his people, he acts. He comes to them. That is the pattern throughout scripture. We can't cover it all this morning, but particularly we see it when he comes to deliver them from slavery in Egypt. 
Then he comes to deliver us from slavery to sin in the person of Jesus. And now, as we do this in remembrance of him, as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death. Yes, to our own hearts. We need that proclamation. Yes, to a watching world, and they need to hear that proclamation. But I think quite possibly, even if I can't absolutely prove it to you, I'm pretty confident we proclaim the Lord's death to our God himself until he does what? Until he comes until he remembers and comes to deliver us once for all from ourselves and from this broken world into life everlasting with him because he has come for us. Listen, friends, before we come to this table, I want you to think about it this way. If all that happens at this table is that in our relationship with God, we are the only ones who do any remembering this morning, there's only going to be minimal benefit from that. But if God comes and remembers us and his promises to us that are signed here, if he redeems us as he assures us in his word that he will and he seals to us in this sacrament that he will, if he indeed lives with us, can you imagine this? That he lives with us at the forefront of his mind and at the center of his heart, being faithful to his promises for us, then the benefit of this sacrament is infinite and eternal, right? If he remembers us and what he has done and what he has promised and what he will do for us. So we eat with God this morning. We renew our covenant commitment to God through Jesus. God, we will remember and we will live for you. And he renews his covenant commitment to us through Jesus. He will remember and rescue and live in relationship with us forever. If, if that's what you trust and commit to when you participate in this sacrament, to take and eat and drink in remembrance of Jesus, that he's your savior, that he's died for you, then come and celebrate and have your life shaped anew by him and his love for you. If not, if that's not your personal remembrance by faith in Jesus, then don't say outwardly that it is by coming and taking these elements. I would invite you to come, to observe, to pray with us, but especially to consider the offer of Jesus of, of forgiveness for all of your sins, lest you be left alone with your own merit standing before the holy God. He invites you to have his blood cover you, to stand in his righteousness before the God of glory. Let's pray and then we'll celebrate together. God, we thank you for the gift of this supper and the 
reminder that it gives us of your love. The sacrifice that you've made, the the life we owe you because you paid it all. And so we ask that you would set aside what are otherwise very common elements to do something in our hearts that would shape today and tomorrow and eternity. Would you change us because you by your spirit meet with us, eat with us, and bring your grace to bear on our lives that nothing would be more important to us than knowing and trusting our Savior. Would you do that work now even as we celebrate this sacrament in Jesus' name, amen. For more information, visit us online at southwood.org.